How's it going, everybody? Good afternoon or morning or whenever you're listening to our lovely podcast. I'm excited, Max. Yes, I, I am as well. We are on episode 27. Of the Max cool. and Tony show. Yeah, and we have a guest. We have a guest from across the pond, from across the great Atlantic. Uh, as you know, uh, Max and I were working on Patriot, the Amazon show that I'm on that keeps me uh, off the unemployment lines. And we filmed uh, the season two in Paris. And while we were there, we were fortunate and blessed enough to make the acquaintance of Vero Boissel, who has a show of her new work opening up here in Chicago at the Dime, 1513 Northwestern Avenue, next um, April 6th from 7 to 10. Free beer. It'll be fun. Pet friendly. Bring your dog. Bring your dog. Don't bring your cat. But um, I saw her work, and I was just knocked out by it. I mean, the first time I ever saw it, I thought, I have to, A, have one of these, Mm -hmm. and B, I want to see much, much more. And she takes photographs, found photographs, and embroiders drawings into them. Right. And And they're vintage photographs. They're, They're, you know... Old photos. You yeah, know, she's the, not taking these on like a digital camera and then embroidering. No, no, you know? no, no, no trickery. This is just all world. Yeah. you know, have skills, art making. So Vero Boissel, welcome. Thank you. You can tell everybody back in Paris you did the Max and Tony show. Yes. <laughs> and they'll go, oh wow, lucky you. <laughs> Who are Max and Tony? What are you talking about? Yeah. We met you. Uh, you work. Um, doing wardrobe for television and movies mm-hmm. in Paris. When did you start making your work, making um, art? Two years ago. Really? Yeah. That's insane. It's a new thing to me. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, and they're phenomenal. I mean, they belong in museums. They're just absolutely lovely. What, what gave you the impetus, the idea it was a long um, path in my mind um, that uh, for years I wanted to have uh, art expression and um, um, yeah, it, it took me years to go in museums, see things, mm-hmm. get inspired or not. Mm-hmm. And... Um, one day, I'm I'm fond of flea markets, and yeah. when they I and Paris is known for some of the greatest flea markets in yes. the world. Yeah, what's the big one called? Um, Les puces de Clignancourt. Okay, now say it slowly. Les puces de Clignancourt. Okay, and then there's one called the bird market. The what? The bird market. It's a flea market. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. I'm sorry. My yeah. dad is lying. There is no. No, bird. no, no. There actually is. There actually is. But yeah. um, I believe you. Um, so you were at the flea market, and what'd you do? I just saw all these old family pictures mm-hmm. sold by people that didn't even know who they were, and um, I just thought nobody uh, knew these people anymore, even mm-hmm. their own family, and. 
I don't know why it moved me a lot. And um, you said something to me when we first met, when I uh, first got one of your pieces, that really touched me. You said that um, these people were photographed in black and white, but they yeah. didn't live in black and white, mm. and you wanted to add color to their lives. Yes, and a secondary history, and that's so much of what artists do. Mm. Yeah, I I just try to make them close to me. Mm -hmm. as I feel I am, and um, make them travel in time, um, which I would like to do since yeah. I was a kid. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, to, to make them living with, uh, with us. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of melding together three centuries. Hmm. You know, I mean, some of those photographs come from before 1900. Yes. Some, mm -hmm. uh, and here we are in 2018. And I, I just marvel kind of at the, the uh, generosity of spirit of that work. Um, we're going to post some on our webpage. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you can see what we mean. Um, I just uh, was taken aback. I saw your exhibition which was at a costumer's museum and rental place. There, there's all of the movies in Paris. Tell us about that place. I love this place. I usually go there to work, and it was funny to show there because um, um, it's a mix of my two activities, yeah, my work and my art. And, um, and it's a very inspiring place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's full of colors, shapes, me and patterns. Max went, me and Max went nuts there. Yeah, it had mm. a lot of, I don't know how to say this. I don't think, the word that comes to mind is spirituality right now. Absolutely. I don't know what it is, but yeah. it's like, you know, you have all this wardrobe from different decades, from different time periods, and all colors, all styles, and it's just... From opera to you movies know, to... And every little piece of clothing... There, you can make a conversation for like about at least 10 minutes and just, you know, talk about, you know, we were talking about certain jackets. We were like, this looks like a car salesman jacket. So this yeah. looks like a jacket like uh, the Mac would wear or a Shaft or, would wear. Or Jean-Paul yeah. Beaumont. Right, or Jean right, right, Reno, right. You and know. I think, yeah, I think what's so like special about that place is just, you know, you had, you had an unconventional you know, gallery, you know, it was located in this costume place, but it was really cool. It was, was something about it. It was a perfect show for yeah. that space. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I was really jealous. I had ve I had venue envy. I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. well, I'd, li I'd like to have a show here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, um, I'm a customer, so I know how much... Um, costumer, not customer, right? Yes. Okay. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Our, our audience might think, well, I'm a customer, too. No. I, you know... Costume. A, a costume. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you've been doing this for, you know, 15 years, right? 20 years? Uh, 17, actually. Almost wow. 17. And I know how much um, clothes can talk, can mean... And it's the same with uh, those pictures. I yeah. mean, every face is, talks to me. Um, every, um, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, when when I go to this rental place, I see so many colors, so many patterns mm -hmm. 
they all have history. They are all telling something. Some to of me. the patterns kind of show up in your work too. Sorry. You can tell that some of the patterns show up in your mm. your artwork. Yes, of course. You know, yes. That one thing kind of informs the other, which I think is also fascinating. There's mm. this marvelous symbiosis about your two primary activities: mm. working in film and opera and theater. Um, clothes, yeah, they carry up biography. Mm. Old photos, people's faces are usually kind of their their life story. Yeah, for me, there's an evident link between my two activities, mm-hmm. and um, and there is an evident link between colors, patterns, and stories, people's stories. Mm-hmm. Um, those pictures are telling me. I don't know if it's their story of or um, any story, but um, I just try to write it down uh, mm-hmm. with a needle you know um, I don't know how to write with a pen so I don't okay. know how to draw so I know how to use a needle. I, I would make make a case for saying you draw pretty well I mean the renderings in thread on those uh, on those photos are just phenomenal they're lovely yeah I, I, and I get, they're real complex I, I have a question did did you before you picked that up two years ago? Did you knit? Was there something that sort of, you know, foreshadowed this these projects before? No, or you I, didn't even knit. No, or you didn't. Oh my god! Yeah. that's okay. That's I kind of beyond me. Have you ever done embroidery before you did no. this? Oh my what? god! No. No, that's I, I didn't know that. I feel so untalented. Right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I I was just doing it. Just doing That's amazing. It. I That's mean, really great. These pictures tell me so strong stories, and I'm just translate translating. Translating, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. And, um, and interpreting. Yeah, I'm just the hand. Yeah. Of it. But this yeah. work doesn't look like it was two years in the making. It looks like you've been working on it for like a, a lifetime. Years. You know, yeah, it's. Absolutely. I mean, it, this is incredible. I know. I'm quite productive. People tell that to me mm-hmm. and um you work like a sled dog yeah you know? <laughs> um when i get into it um time has no effect on me yeah you know it's uh one of the things that really speak to me about your work is that we often think of knitting or embroidery as you know quote women's work mm. and this flies in the face of that. I mean, this absolutely turns that idea on its head. Yeah. Um, and I, it makes this case for, no, this is powerful art making. But, the thing that was relegated to something that, yeah. you know, nice, polite women did is, is actually kind of been weaponized, you know? <laughs> I mean, um, there's, I, one of, there's one of Siamese twins on a photograph yeah. that just haunts me. Mm. I, I never forget it. Mm. I saw it for the first time three months ago. And every time I think of your work, that that's one of the images that comes to mind. And you know, the fact that it's a, a woman's work, mm-hmm. um, my grandmother... Uh, well, it's allegedly woman's work. It's not yes, really powerful contemporary yeah. art. And you it's know? not a problem to me, even though I I... I'm more acting like a 
guy than a woman, you know. Mm -hmm. All my life, I've um, tried to be equal yeah. to guys, even um, be able to do more than them. And now, in Paris, is that, that that's probably easier to uh, accomplish than it is here in America. I don't know. You know I can't no, tell really. you. Is, is Paris I don't know still, US, so. Does Paris still suffer from the kind of patriarchy that we have here in the U.S.? I don't know. You know, Paris I think the world is does, not France. Yeah, yeah. Paris is not France. I yeah. mean, in Paris, there are so many people coming from all over the country. Yeah, all over the world, actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And But in small villages in France, it's not the same. And, I mean, um, I honestly think we should turn over the order of the world, you mm. know, to women. Because mm. men have fucked it up. <laughs> Big <laughs> and, time. Yeah. So I was... Um, you know, the fact that it's a woman's work um, doesn't bother me at all because I think grandmas, mothers um, used to live inside the house and um, they are family's memory. Exactly. My grandmother, who I, the one whom I never knew, uh, my father's mother, he would draw the designs and she would make the quilts. Mm. Out of all of the hand-me-down clothes from, you know, mm. her kids and, you know, other kids, you know. And uh, there, that was a huge impression on me when I heard that. I thought, it's kind of like what I do. These, mm. I'm in the long haul. I think we're both making memory mm. objects. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I think if we willingly forget our past we're we're really doomed mm. because there are a great many lessons to be extruded from that yeah. um and i mean when when i look at uh, your things there just seems to be this incredible embrace and generosity about giving these people contempt a contemporary life i mean here yeah. we are a hundred years past the grave, they're hanging up in an art gallery, and yeah, people still have to deal with them. And where were they before that art gallery? They were probably in a drawer in an antique store somewhere around yeah, a, in a, a flea glass market, display you know? case, yeah. unframed. They were right? just um, lying on the sidewalk yeah. with yep. people almost stepping on it. I mean, yeah, it's um, and you know uh, the generosity doesn't come from me comes from all these people, all these pictures. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I miss half of my family story. My father died. I, I figured out uh, what I was embroidering um, for eight months, maybe. I understood why I was doing this. And How so? Um, my father died when I was eight, mm -hmm. and he was living in the West Indies. We were living in France, and um, so I hardly knew him. Mm -hmm. And all my lifelong have told people I better knew my father from a picture than in yeah. real. Wow! Mm -hmm. And um, and when I was young, um, my family um, they were always talking about memories in in the West Indies mm -hmm. and um, what was your dad doing in the West Indies what what did he do for a living uh, he was 
primary uh, military man, but he okay. quitted the army to take care of uh, my grandma's uh, business. Mm-hmm. She had a restaurant, a uh, grocery store, and stuff like that. In the West Indies? Yes. Wow. Yeah. And uh, her restaurant is very famous. I mean, was very famous in, huh. in, in the West Indies, in Guadeloupe. Everybody knows my grandma's <laughs> restaurant. Really? Yeah. What was it called? Chez Mamie. She means Mami. grandma's. And when, <laughs> I tell, when I tell people it was my grandma, they are just uh, amazed. You know, that's ironic because in uh, Chicago we have a, a, a marvelous writer that lived here named Nelson Algren. Mm. And he always used to say, um, never eat at a place called Mom's, never play cards with a man named Doc, <laughs> and never go to bed with a woman who's in more trouble than you are. You know, <laughs> Those were his words to live by. But he also had a fascination with Paris. He had a very long affair with Simone de Beauvoir. Yeah. And she came here and he went there. And long after they, you know, broke up, they were still visiting each other's cities. I mean, I think he was as much in love with Paris as he was with her. And I think Mm -hmm. her, she was as much in love with Chicago as she was Mm -hmm. with him. You know, there's, there does seem to be that, you know, Paris, I found out, is a sister city of Chicago. Mm. And I look at our cities, and we could not be, you know, more different. I mean, Max, you and I walked around Paris, like, yeah. all over the place. I think the similarity there is it's, uh, you know, Chicago has its own personality. It has its own, you know, thing yeah. going. And Paris, I mean, that it, it definitely has that as well. So I think... We're two individual cities yeah. that like that are unlike any place else. Yeah, I mean, they're only they, like themselves. Yeah, so you know, I but I would throw other cities in that category too. I mean, well, we're if magical. we're going to say we're that, like New yeah. Orleans, like you know, New York. Yeah, we can say New York. You know, L.A. to some people. You know, yeah, you know, San Francisco to some people. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah, they're not my favorite cities, but to some people, they're you know. It's their home. Well, it's their for years, I, I, I've loved New Orleans. is my favorite city in America. Yeah. I'd love to go there. And uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, Paris is the mother of New Orleans. I mean, once I got mm-hmm. to Paris, I understood New Orleans. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I think uh, cities have souls. Absolutely. Yes. And um, what is good is in traveling, I mean... I didn't travel a lot because I had two kids quite mm-hmm. young. Um, I'm beginning to travel. And what I like to feel um, is feeling the mood of a city. Mm-hmm. And um, everything's uh, different. I mean, a house is a house. But yeah. I arrived in Chicago three three days ago. And Houses are, are not the same. They are not telling the same stories. No. You know, I, I really want to picture houses here. Well, when you see, you know, a 150-year-old house in Chicago, in Chicago, that's an old house. In Paris, that's a new house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's not only You have a, a much longer of, history than we yeah, do. Yeah, it's, it's not, a, for me, only a question of history or age. It's um, just the mood. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not the same mm-hmm. colors. It's not the same shapes. Um, here, I feel all all the streets are the same. 
they look the same. I mean, the ground is flat. Yeah. It's kind of how we felt in Paris. It's like we could not, yeah, we, um, we had a hard time figuring out. We began to be able to discern, though, like the Marais from yeah, the Bastille. Yeah, and Paris from, had some more wide open stuff, like like the Republic Square, for example. Oh, like yeah, that, Republic There's Square. nothing like that in Chicago, really. No. Um, at least not open to the public. Actually, like probably one of my absolute favorite places in Paris is uh, Republic Square mm. because just that commitment to liberty. Mm. You know, I mean, Paris is very, or France is very loath to get roped into the idiotic, stupid military shit because they've had a couple of world wars fought on their soil mm -hmm. in the last hundred years. So, you know, when all of that crap happened after 9-11, Chirac didn't go to war with with us you know he he did not buy into that uh exercise and folly yeah well there was the iraq war that was just a, a war based on so Oil. many fallacies yeah. yeah and just yeah just for yeah we were covering up the idea that you know we wanted oil and and also it seemed sort of revenge driven by absolutely by george bush right because yeah. he tried to Tried to kill his. It was the dad. first time we ever attacked a country that had not attacked us. They, were, you know. Yeah. I mean, all the 9/11 uh, bombers. What about were, what about all the 9/11 bombers were Saudis? What about Vietnam? Um. Did they attack us? No. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was just just making sure of that. No, um, and we never actually declared war in Vietnam. It was the Vietnam that is correct, conflict. Tony. Yeah, we just that's we right. just did. We never yeah. we never declared war. And it was all based on this um, containing communism. It's, no, but it was also made up on a fake. Oh yeah. Attack that had happened, right? That we yeah. we fabricated this attack to get the American people to Lies. get on board with us. I don't Absolutely. know what it, I don't know what the attack was called. I'll kind of I'll look it up, but yeah, probably sorry. the Bay of Tom, the Tonkin Bay or one of those something you know, like that. Something yeah, like that. I, yeah. um, Vera, one thing that actually stood out to me, uh, you said in the beginning of this interview, you've wanted to like time travel since yes. you were a kid. Where, do you have a specific like time that you would want to? Yeah, go where to would or you go? In, or you know, um, I yeah, um, I've always been amazed by the. Beginning of 20th century. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, it's Your city this... would have been a cool place to be. Yeah. The beginning of 20th century. You know, and... Josephine Baker and all the expatriates. <laughs> oh, yes. And um, uh, it's a strange feeling because um, it's. I feel it's close to me mm -hmm. and in the same time very far. And But I've always thought that um, if I had lived in this period, um, I wouldn't have had the, the life that I have now. Yeah. Um, I was raised in quite um, low-class family and, you know... Mm -hmm. um, Working class. Yes. Yeah. And uh, my mother was alone with four kids, so... Wow. And, but... You know, the 20th century offered me opportunities to up myself in mm -hmm. the society, to meet people, to study. Mm -hmm. For a girl, I mean, um, not all the girls can study in Did the world. Did you go to university? 
No, I quit school quite early because uh, school system wasn't made for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I, you know, I barely got out of high yeah. school. You know, I was um, longing to work. Yeah, yeah, to to get out of this system where all pupils are stupid kids and all I, you teachers know, I just, are old. Yeah. Uh, you know. I just always had a contempt for authority and institutions mm. because it was always like you're going to have to bend to the way we do. Uh, I hated it. I mean, I, I despised 80% of my teachers. Um, I despised the schools. I thought the only reason they were keeping us in school was to keep us off the street and uh, – yeah, but if you you know if you get through those if you get through those high schools and colleges like those institutions, you, well, I always admire the way they you make did you a it, better Max. person. I always admire the way you did it, Max. You you love high school. I just you loved endured college. it. You know, yeah, I. I no, mean, you had but, fun. You know, I I talk about Whitney Young sometimes, and I I can't tell what. I what I felt about it sometimes. I you know I the dolphin I, call the Whitney Young dolphin. Call. <laughs> yeah 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 the made up uh, uh, dolphin call that me and Jill Hopkins did the, eh, the the you know that doesn't we don't do that we're the Whitney Young dolphin. But I don't know if because there were times yeah where I felt like we were being treated like stupid kids and our intelligence was getting insulted. But also you know it, we were also blessed with like certain resources and and mm -hmm. uh, certain teachers that that helped us along the way so i don't i don't know i have so I many have, mixed feelings yeah. about whitney young i have the same feeling uh, in the same time i feel really blessed to have been to school to have met some good teachers mm -hmm. that really inspired me mm -hmm. and uh really they, they were i had four or five along things. the way that were marvelous yeah, yeah. And uh, but uh, as I'm as I was growing up, um, I figured out uh, the school system didn't recognize the um, my biggest quality. Uh, it I could work with my hands. Yeah, you know I know my power is in my hands. Making stuff. Yeah, yeah. and I just couldn't show them. How good um, yeah. I was with my hands, uh, how deep this um, this was to me, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I just quit to to work to be able to work with my I kinda hands. Felt, I kind of felt recognized. yeah. I kind of felt in high school I just couldn't make myself understood, mm. and uh, drawing was kind of my way out of it. It was my hammer and nails against everything. Mm -hmm. It was. Uh, you know, eventually, really, my salvation. You know, um, yeah. Uh, art does that. For well, you know, the first people, three years you know? of of my high school experience, I I was like, I was a pretty mediocre student at at best. Like, I didn't get good grades or anything. So, I don't know. I, those first three years, I was a little lost. I knew I wanted to make movies. I knew I wanted, to, and I I was kind of like class clownish at times, but. Then the last year I took video production and I was like, wow. I go, imagine yeah. if I went my whole four years without taking yeah. this. And I just well, wanted to say, oh, I can do this. But that class actually confirmed that I did want to do it. And mm -hmm. it also confirmed that I was 
good in it because me and I, I would say that you were studying for what you wanted to do long before your senior year. Because I, I we was, went to the movies I was for sure. We used to go to the movies every Friday night. And yeah, but but then when we got back, I was we were probably watching a movie on TV right yeah. after. I mean, we'd get out at ten and then get yeah. home when I was a kid. Max and watch, absolutely loved watch movies, films. That's yeah. it. You know, and by the time he was in eighth grade, he was asking for the good stuff, Kurosawa. And, you and know. I was in sixth grade, man, when I yeah, asked for that. I got yeah. that for Christmas in when sixth grade. When I was grade. a kid, I was making furniture with my brothers. Really? Cool. <laughs> I mean, we had. Are, are, are we your had brothers no money. craftsmen? Are they. Yes. Are they... We, we had to. We had yeah. to. And, and we loved that. Um, now, what did your mom do? Uh, I don't know how to say it in English, but. Um, she helped women to have babies. Oh, she was a midwife. Yes. Yeah. Midwife. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And um, I think it's the most beautiful yeah. job in the world. Yeah. And um, so, but she she was uh, working a lot, and um, um, so my brothers and I um, had to make things. I yeah. mean, if we needed a bed. Uh, we just did you made it. one. Yeah, we made one, and yeah. uh, I learned uh, many things with my brothers, and it was so great. Well, I'm trying to teach you stuff here. Like I've taught you some Chicago words. Could you re <laughs> can you repeat the one that I taught you today? The most important Chicago That's... word. Okay, what is it? No. That's cruel. No, no, no. What's the what's the Chicago word I taught you? Jagoff. Okay, but Did you gotta I say it. it well? Jag off. Jag off. Yeah. Jag <laughs> off. Anybody bothers you, say, hey, jag off. Take a walk, or you're gonna be wearing your ass for a hat. <laughs> yeah. That's a Chicago greeting. Yeah, no. That's what friends say to each other. I was I was teaching some Chicago slang when I was on set in France. I was trying to teach them foo foo. Foo foo. Oh, it's fake. You it's, told it, me it's, about uh, it. It's foo. You it's fake. <laughs> it's 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 false. Fugazi. Yeah, it's fugazi. So fugazi. Fugazi. <laughs> Forget you know, about from, it. From French, it sounds like Chinese. Foo foo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you it, know, I can't. Yeah, people were kind of fascinated with the way we talked in uh, France. They were like, "What did you say?" You know. <laughs> well, I was. I was, you know, I, the way I figured it out, I was like, wow, we Americans talk completely, like, out of our nose, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It all flows out in With one a breath. deep male and, voice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. So, you know, uh, we, we had a marvelous day uh, with Vero in Paris when she took us to uh, Marché uh, de Rougeon. Le Marché des Enfants Rouges. Right. Was that with yeah. Gabby and Chris? And yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. that incredible market that used to be an orphanage. And I got to tell you, it stayed in my head. Mm. I've made two pieces that are kind of about it because it was this place. It was an orphanage for three or four centuries, right? Yes. I mean, for a long, mm. long time. Yeah. And now it's this really incredibly multicultural food market and place of absolute joy I yeah mean, that was one of the that was one of the nicest days that i had in paris Thank i you. still remember it's the security board and the white wine that yeah was, the white yeah. wine was pretty good it's one of my favorite plays um it's just 
uh, quiet and in the same time it's full of people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, um, and little kids playing soccer almost knocked yeah. me on my ass. <laughs> there are no cars. Um, it's just a small melting pot. You I know? love the Marais. And yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's I absolutely a love. That's my favorite neighborhood. Mm. Every people is different from yeah. one to another, and you can spend days there just to look at people yeah. and just guessing. Uh, who they are, just listening to yeah. their story, they they tell you just passing by. You know, I, I also found, you know, in America we always get this this knock on the French. It's like, oh, they're they're haughty and they're so they're snooty. I didn't run into any of that. Everybody was no. unfailingly kind to me, mm-hmm. and I think. People who travel, if, if people are haughty and studio to them, yeah, if you're an asshole. You yeah. Know, um, if you're a jerk, but I mean, in Paris, I never uh, I never experienced such amazing hospitality and such uh, generosity. You know, when, when you travel, I really think when you travel, you're out of your life. Mm-hmm. You're out of your problems. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so you are kinder anyway. Yeah, you know, you are uh, more open to people, so people do the same with you. I do remember I was much happier being in Paris. Yeah. Oh yes, yes. That's I, why people I was too. smiled yeah. at you and were open to you. Yeah, because you were open to people. Yeah, I mean, I had a great time. I, I you know, let's go back. Yeah, <laughs> I miss Perigo. That that was a place that we went yeah. to eat. Oh, night. Perigo. They know us by name now. You know, it's like so. They knew you by name. They were like, "Oh, and yeah, guy." And they knew you, and they knew you because you got a burger every time. Every time, I'm getting a burger. Every time, the a burger, burger. You know, <laughs> uh, no, you know, but we got those steaks too, and we split that pork. I did it for you. I sacrificed one of the burger nights. Yeah, for I you. Ate, I just ate a tiny bit of. And the I'll pork be honest, I can't eat a lot of it. You know, pork was pork was kind of foo foo. <laughs> you didn't like the pork? It's kind of foo foo. It's kind of foo foo. Oh man, don't give them a bad uh, review. Hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. <laughs> they everything, love else, us. everything else was great. Everything else was great. Wait, you know what? The pork was it was it was good. Yeah. But you're, compared you're crazy to the for the burgers. burger and that yeah. steak. Yeah. And the short rib? The short rib. We had the short no, what did we have? we had short what do we have? You guys had it. I didn't what not was, have short what ribs. What was the stuff? You know, Bone actually, marrow. Bone marrow. The yeah. marrow. Yeah. That was really good. Actually, That's like pretty decadent. See, yeah. okay, compared to all that, it was a little, it was a little foo-foo. Okay. Just a little. You know what? I went with you there, and I have no idea of what I ate. <laughs> I know it was good, but I just don't remember what was in my plate. I remember um, we had great talk. I remember the mood of yeah, this place. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I mean, I mean um, it's a nice warm. It's what mm. you picture a bistro in Paris to be. It is that... It is that place. I think when you're in a good mood with people you like, you understand, um, you can have anything in your plate. Yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was yeah. also this, Chris, that uh, that place we went to in the Bastille, the Portuguese place. Uh, Para Alta. Oh, my God. <laughs> is that Parago's cousin? Yeah. No, right. no. Para Alta. Made, we, Para got Alta. A, we got a seafood thing, and they bring out this gigantic platter. <laughs> That's awesome. And it was like oysters, lobsters, shrimps, uh, mussels, you name it. And uh, for not a lot of money. I mean, restaurants in Paris are not 
nearly as expensive as they are here. And you know, the I was food is surprised better. by that. And you know, in Paris, fish are more fresh yeah. than by the sea. Yeah. Because uh, when when the fishermen come back from the sea with the fish, it goes directly in Paris. Yeah. To they Rangis. want to get to the Paris and, market. Yes. Yeah. And then it goes back. Wow. <laughs> really? You know, yeah, really. It's crazy. No kidding. It's wow. crazy. So that is, wow. The, what, what part of you didn't grow up in Paris proper, right? No. Where did you grow up? Uh, near Bordeaux. Bordeaux, okay. Yeah. Uh, between Bordeaux and the sea, in the forest. Was it a small town or? A really tiny town. Really? 3,000 people. Oh, my gosh. And um, we had a big house there that my parents built. Uh, actually, it was a um, uh, house like in Switzerland. Well, oh, like a chalet? House. Yeah, it was a chalet. So I grew up in a chalet near Bordeaux that is completely you know, weird. For somebody who says they grew up working class, I grew up in a chalet near Bordeaux. You know, <laughs> that's, that's that, that pretty was, cool. Yeah, we, we, it was a great chance. That was our only um, gift, you know? It's, is is no, the house still in the family? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, my mother lives in it. She still lives there? Yes. Now, how old of a woman is your mom? Uh, she's going to be 78 in three days. Does she have wow. the internet? Yes. She can get this. She oh, can yes, get this she show. will. I yeah. know she will. She won't understand the world, but she yeah, will. that's okay. <laughs> she will listen to it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Um, what does your mom think now of your nascent art career? I mean, you had a show in Paris. Now you're having a show in Chicago. You're part of a big show that we're all bringing out to Seattle in early May. You're kind of going great guns. She's just happy yeah. for me. Deadly happy. Yeah. I mean, and it's my mom. She's my first fan. Absolutely. <laughs> when my mother was... When my I'm mother was too, nine, so. when, Yeah, my, when my mom was 91, she was still raising me. <laughs> And uh, no, she she's really happy, and in a way, I know she, she thinks um, I am able. Mm -hmm. You know, she has always you can do this. Think, yeah, yeah. And she has always thought um, their um, her four kids were just able mm -hmm. to make things to mm -hmm. go ahead. And, um, well, that's kind of the same way with your a, two sons. She, she's been a great, great mother, yeah. really, because she was, she was trusting us, yeah, mm -hmm. in a really deep way. You were enough for her, and that's important. Mm. Yeah. Trust, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I can't tell you enough. It's like if these guys, you know, my dad, my mom didn't trust me. I don't know what I, I'd probably not be confident about any. Decision, no, decision was, I made. You, you were always. Or I'd probably be resentful. You know? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I always had that trust. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So I, mean, yeah. I, I knew he could do whatever he put his head to. You know? I left my mom's house when I was seventeen to go to Paris. Uh huh. Seven hundred kilometers away, which in France it's that's a long it, way. It's huge. Yeah. 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 And uh, I was seventeen. I, I mean, I was just a kid. Well. My kids are older than this, uh -huh. and um, I just figured out 
pretty quickly she was trusting me. Yeah. Much more than I thought. What did you do when you first got to Paris? Um, I actually <coughs> studied making maps, but inside the company for the States. You worked for a cartographer? Yeah. Making maps? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was, uh, it was cool at the That's beginning. That's a pretty because, specific kind of talent, too. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I was teached. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, I don't consider that as a talent, uh, but um, I was precise enough, mm-hmm. you know, with my eyes, with my hand to mm-hmm. do that. And but I just did that um, 40 years too late because before mm-hmm. there were painters, there were artists and I arrived and I just had a computer in front of me and <laughs> oh shit i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i wanted to work with my hands yeah and so yeah i i was bored yeah pretty quickly so that's why well, i well are making ruins you for decent employment <laughs> it's like it's yeah, so... once you start making stuff and you're able to go into your own world the rest of it just doesn't compare. It's hard to leave. Yeah. It's so hard to leave. Yeah. You know, the nuns would get mad at me because, you know, well, he's always off in Tony Land. It's like, I fucking like Tony Land. <laughs> I, I get to, yeah. you know, nobody gets to tell me what to do. I can draw whatever I want. If I want to draw, you know, a nun's head and the talons of a harpy eagle, I can do that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's something liberating about being able to kind of create your own reality. Yeah. I mean, that's why people make art. You yeah, know. and uh, take advantage of what I know, what I am able to do. Yeah. Uh, in the cartography, um, they teach it, um, a, s- a very specific job um, uh, in a very precise way. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, when we were working, they just asked us 20% of what we uh were capable to do mm-hmm. you know and um you got sick of holding back yes so i, I just wanted to do the best i could mm-hmm. and um i wasn't asked to do that mm-hmm. i was just asked to do 20 percent that i could do yeah so they're just asking to mail it in you know just mindlessly yeah so i i was losing my time how did you switch mm-hmm. to costuming um, How did that evolution happen? How do you go from it's one a long to story. <laughs> okay, well, we got some time. We got a little time. podcast here. Um, when I arrived in Paris, pretty soon I uh, went to sculpture. Uh, mm-hmm. Sculpture class. Yeah, class. And um, sculpture made me go into masks, theater uh-huh. masks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made, uh, I began to make masks for theater for uh, Comedia dell'arte. And, uh, Give a man a mask and he will tell you the truth. <laughs> yes. I mean, um, I was really amazed by masks. They mm-hmm. tell so many. We have a small so collection much. of them, so mm. we love them. Yeah. Right. Uh. <laughs> and um, so, but I, I was... Um, I just learned how to make masks by my own. Mm-hmm. 
Um, now, did you make like paper mache ones or wood carved paper wooden ones, ones or? and wooden ones? Yeah. So I went to um, uh, a studio. Um, I don't know how to say it in English, but um, I had a, a master mask master yeah. for six months, and it was amazing to to be with him, and um, he taught me so many things. Mm-hmm about masks and about myself also. And I mean, it's great that you, you went and were so specific about acquiring skills. I mm. mean, things where you actually made stuff with your hands. Mm. You know, mask making. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sewing. Mm. You know, I mean, the sewing. Cartography. Cartography. <laughs> those are all total mysteries to me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, and I'm I, I love maps. I love... I love fabrics. I love uh, that costume house. I just I wanted to draw half of the costumes in there. I mean, mm-hmm. they they told these amazing stories. Well, you took you took the time and took a lot of pictures around there too. Oh yeah, taking yeah. pictures. Well, there's the, those are look at this show up Givenchy vest. It's like, dude, when did you ever carry? I didn't even know what you you knew how to. You, you know, know what? I didn't you know, know what, what Givenchy was exactly. I didn't know what couture was. <laughs> Until I went to Paris <laughs> and actually saw some, you know, this this kind of cutting edge clothing. And when you see a, a, a you know a classic uh, Givenchy gown, they're beautifully constructed, and I mean they're constructed mm-hmm. with a lot of thought, and they they send a certain message. And something that I don't really know a lot about that I was just fascinated by. Yeah, what I like about fashion and haute couture is. Uh, it's a laboratory. Yeah. It's uh, they just make experiences, and um, they have this genius to um, um, yeah to to create things out of other things mm-hmm. to um, add soul to yeah. a piece of fabric. One of the things that kind of fascinates me about uh, you and your work, particularly as a costumer and wardrober, how did you not wind up going into the fashion world? Mm, I'm really impressed by the uh, fashion world uh-huh. as a laboratory. But um, um, I always say I prefer to dress characters than mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, characters uh, speak to me a lot more than yeah. people. And uh, I think it also dovetails with your interest in storytelling and stories. Yeah, mm. yeah, and plays characters in plays in movies um, are uh, pretty more truth into yeah. truth than real people. You know, yeah. uh, we all. Um, I don't know. We're we're all the same. We're human. Yeah. But uh, in a screenplay, in a theater play, um, someone has written, has synthesized human being into yeah. one character, and uh, that's interesting to me. That talks to me, and um, I try to translate what I understand of this character into clothes. You know, what, yeah. Do you prefer film or opera or theater or which thing do you like Definitely to work in opera. the most? 
Opera. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I've uh, I've done five operas, and I just discovered a huge world that I didn't know at all. That's something we got to learn more about. I don't know a lot the about opera. opera. I've only seen a couple. Mm. Went to a couple school field you know, trips. I, yeah, I can't listen to opera okay. without crying. Really? Wow. Uh, um, yeah, what are your favorite ones? I mean, if if if, if you were to tell me, I don't operas know much about opera. I I, <laughs> I know the opera I worked on, <laughs> um, La Boheme from Puccini. La Boheme, really yeah. moves me. Really. Yeah. Well, in New York, they they rewrote it and called it Rent. Mm. You know. And, <laughs> oh yeah. And, and, and uh, it was played Broadway forever. La Boheme, though. I mean, mm. that's kind of the foundation of how all artists lived from La Boheme on, you know, <laughs> and Bohemia. I would love to work on, I don't remember the name, but um, it's an English opera, uh, American opera, mm -hmm. uh, jazz opera. It's with uh, Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, is it Poor Jean Bess? Yes. Yeah. I would love to work yeah. on this opera. You know, maybe someday... You'll get to, you know. I, hope. I mean, there's Chicago's yeah. got an astonishing. I'm dreaming opera, of yeah. you know? um, We've all three of us now had the experience of working with Steve Conrad, who right. is the director, the writer, and the showrunner of uh, our show Patriot. And it's it's one thing to work for him as an actor, and then it's another thing to work for him. You know, being crew. Mm. And uh, uh, the one thing you always notice is that he treats everyone absolutely with incredible respect and, and kindness, you know? Yeah. The the first day of shooting, he came to me saying, mm. um, you can ever come to me, ask me questions, and look at the monitor uh, if you need to. Mm -hmm. And I was, Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, French directors, so many directors never not do that. Yeah, no, never no. do that. I mean, there's a world between me and them. And yeah, um, yeah this uh, show, this project was a very specific project yeah. for us, for the French crew. Yeah. We are n not used to so much um, talent and uh, compassion and kindness, yeah, yeah kindness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, as evidenced by the amount of people that are flying to Chicago April 6th to see your show, mm. yeah, uh, that's a whole bunch of the actors, amazing. um, the awesome. director. And it, yeah. it was not all about kindness, it was also about um, understanding, yeah, you know, people understood what the other one needed, what mm -hmm. the other one was doing it was also respecting what what each person's role was and mm. and and boy it was you know top to bottom the best cast and crew experience i ever had i mean yeah I, me too I just, me too it was like joining <laughs> one of the world's most fun families mm. um yeah to to be a witness alone was was awesome for me i mean just to yeah see you were you know you, the crew you were the lucky cast. you got to you got to see you've Everything. seen a lot more of patriot every, than we have yeah you know um you got to see everything what, yeah. what was that like for you 
watching the show evolve and watching, actually being able to see the shots on the monitor and right in front of you? Um, I think, well, I, you know, you, you get to choose between, do you want to just watch the scene, you know, outside of the monitor, or do you want to be by the monitor? You kind of, unless you're like right in front, unless that monitor is right in front of the scene, then you can't really experience both yeah um so i mean i'd usually jump to the monitor Mm -hmm. uh i would check how they lit the scene and how they were going to go about you know doing the sound and the blocking and stuff like that but once the monitor went on and they were shooting it i would look at the monitor because Mm -hmm. um because you know you could hear you could hear a lot of the direction in the headphones and and you could see you could see things going on in the monitor with steve directing the actors and stuff but, I mean, it, it was just cool to see everything and and everyone do their their clear cut role. I think that he does an amazing job. Yeah, it's like, it's like watching a guy conduct a symphony. Yeah. Know? Well, what I was the most impressed with, I think, is like I would come in there so exhausted, mm-hmm. and I knew everyone was just as tired as I was. Maybe even got less sleep than me, but they were working their asses off and they mm-hmm. were showing no signs of real frustration which is no. what fatigue will will give you in any any environment any work environment so it was there was something really really impressive about just you guys and getting fr- up every that day french and, crew and, i mean I've, I've worked on lots of feature films yeah. and you know i always used to think you know teamsters are the absolute best mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, the French crew, they were just amazing. amazing. That's the best crew I've ever seen. Yeah, it was. uh, I mean, mean, they were great. The the French crew was great. But uh, it was because uh, we knew we were doing something good Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with good people. You know, like some, some of those folks have been working in film so long, they go back to... They've actually worked with Godard, Truffaut. Um, that was exciting. Just the 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 history of cinema that was just present among the crew. Yeah, um, I learned a lot from talking to you know Jean and Camille and um, the different and age ranges the, uh, too. I mean, you had people that were my age, and you had people that were as you know older than you and uh, dominique our script supervisor is in her mid-70s really and, yeah. uh yeah and then just the greatest i um, just fell in love with her oh she amen so everybody yeah. did she's you know so she's nice, adorable so talented. Yeah. she's the best person in the world man <laughs> i mean just you and know i have to talk about the american crew because uh they were amazing too so good at their work jimmy and, and jody yes you know? yeah and um um uh, the 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 new thing for me was the the length of the project yeah i'm i'm used to work on american movies that uh, that are shooting in paris yeah but it mostly uh two or three weeks yeah and uh this was almost six months yeah so we had well time. we were there we were there four months you know yeah i was there one month we yeah, had a little longer than I mean, that, actually. Yeah. But, yeah. We all had time to know, to get to know each other, yeah. I mean, to do a good job. And it was very speed because we had a lot to do 
but um, is it's what, the equivalent what, of five feature films yes, in four and a half amazing. months. Yeah. It's, like, it's amazing. But we we had time to know each other. Yeah. And that I think makes a big difference. Yeah, I mean, you know, every single person from the guy who picked me up every morning to Charles, our man. Charles. Shout out to Charles. We <laughs> Charles love you. picked me up and John picked me up a lot. So yeah. I, I gotta give I gotta give love for and, both uh, those guys. And um, the other fellow who went from uh, captain of the uh, drivers to uh, oh god, Benoit. Yeah, Benoit. Yeah, <laughs> Benoit. Uh, I just I miss everyone. Mm, I miss them too. You know, Fran- <laughs> Francois ran base camp, and you know, I mean, Rada. Yeah, his, his brother. I love. I love. Yeah. They were the best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone was just. Uh, you know, I've friended as many of them as I can on Facebook. Oh, whenever I see a familiar face, I'm like, Add. absolutely, yes, absolutely. You yeah, know, and it's. Uh, boy, I, I sure hope we get to go back to. To Paris, yeah, we're all crossing our fingers. Um, next Friday night, April sixth, this is your first American show. Yes, you and I are having a show together, and Thank you. I can't tell you at what, the Dime, at the Dime, fifteen thirteen Northwestern Avenue. Beer by Forbidden Root. Thank you, guys. Yes, and uh, you know, pet friendly. Bring pet your dog. friendly. Bring your dog. Um, Western Blue Line, if you need some, you know, or Western yeah. Western Bus. Uh, what a privilege it is to be able to show with such a great artist, you know. It's a privilege to me. And please yeah. promise uh, us that you will, you will come back and do this again with us. I hope so. All right. I promise you. <laughs> Thank you so much, dear. Thank, Thank you, Vero. Thank, Thank you. Vero Boissel. Hey guys, this is Max Fitzpatrick of the Max and Tony Show. We just want to thank you guys for tuning in to our 27th episode. Sponsored by Forbidden Root Beer, next time you're in Chicago, check out their brewery on 1746 West Chicago Avenue. Big shout out to Parkwalk Productions, home of the Max and Tony Show. Don't forget to check out Adventureland Gallery and the Dime Showroom at 1513 Northwestern. This Saturday, we are having a Q&A with David Obermeyer for his show, Veiled Landscapes. From 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., free drinks, pet friendly, come around. And then the next week, April 6th, we will be having a show called The Grouch and the Brainstorm by Philip Campbell. And in the Dime showroom, we will be having Vero and Tony, Paris, Chicago, Chicago, Paris. If you want to check out old episodes or ask me and my dad some burning questions go to the max and tony show.com dad you fucked me up tune in next time for our 28th episode <laughs>